0: In this episode, we focus on Ecclesiastes 7, verses 11 through 18. Welcome to the Yellow Balloons podcast, a collection of teachings to help you navigate the transformational possibilities of a God-centered perspective. We pray these insights from Scripture will inspire and encourage you. In this season, Tim Dunn and Joey Willis walk through the book of Ecclesiastes, verse by verse, discussing what is being revealed about the nature of God, our world, and our most adequate response to it. Grab your Bible, some note-taking supplies, and pull up the BibleSays.com commentary on Ecclesiastes as we take a deep dive into the deep truths of Ecclesiastes. Rich with humility and hope, uncertainty and purpose, mystery and faith, This book is sure to challenge your perspective on what it means to live life well. Wisdom, along with an inheritance, is good, and an advantage to those who see the sun. For wisdom is protection just as money is protection. But the advantage of knowledge is that wisdom preserves the lives of its possessors. Consider the work of God, for who is able to straighten what he has bent? In the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider. God has made the one as well as the other so that man will not discover anything that will be after him.
1: So Solomon here seems to be echoing Job. Um, you know, I, am I going to be grateful to God when good things happen and then not be grateful to God when bad things happen? Mm. And he's saying, well, you know, look, it's it, it just circumstances are what they are. And what we want to do is embrace what is and ask the question, okay, what does faithfulness look like now in this circumstance? Uh, If we don't, then the circumstances are our master, and, and, and we don't want to do that, which is why wisdom is such a great protector. Money's a good protector. I mean, you can hire a lawyer with money. You can... Pay a medical bill with money, and you you have a savings account. You have a reversal. You can do things that you might not have otherwise been able to do. So that's good. That's good. Money money's a but wisdom much greater protector because bad things are going to happen, and when they do, you're equipped to deal with those bad things. Yeah that
2: that that thing that you mentioned are are we going to be thankful when things are good and. Not thank, not grateful when, when, when circumstances are difficult. That really is an important point, because when we do that, we're actually worshiping circumstances as God, not God as God. And so you know one of the things from our infertility that we learned in the first couple of years is we and a lot of our, our community, we, we were using the language of saying, "I believe that we're going to have a baby. I believe that that's going to happen." And Kylie and I started to feel unsettled about that language because I believe in God. Belief is about trust, it's about faith. Mm-hmm. My trust isn't in the, a, a baby being born. That's, mm-hmm. a, that's a circumstance, an important one for us. I think that God is calling us to be parents, but my ultimate hope and trust and belief is in God. Mm-hmm. So we've been careful about making that distinction so mm-hmm. that we're, we don't say, we don't make having a child. The thing that we're putting our hope and our trust in, rather, it's we're putting our hope and trust in God, and we really do think that as a byproduct of that hope and trust, He's leading us towards parenthood. Otherwise, we would have given up on this long, long ago. But it's an important distinction, and I think it's one that we have a difficulty uh, in modern America differentiating in our minds. We think, "I want this. This makes me happy. Therefore, it must be mm. God." And it's like, well, that's that's a really it can be a really dangerous thing. And that's why, that's why this is a reality in our life. That's why this is helpful. That's why yeah. God giveth and he taketh away. It's a blessed be the name of the Lord and all of those things. And so this is a call for us to worship, to live in gratitude no matter what our circumstances are, which sounds to some of our listeners maybe like a, a giving up mm-hmm. on the things you hope for. But it's actually a very freeing idea that you can hope for your things. We still are hoping for children, desperately. Mm. You can still hope for your things, but it's about holding these things in in tension and balance together. We hope for those things, but our ultimate trust is in the Lord. If we don't have kids, that's going to be very difficult for us to bear. But we'll bear it because
1: we believe in God. It's tobe. It would be good to have kids. It's better to trust in God no matter what the circumstances, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you're you're actually putting into practice uh, the verse that Jesus used to resist uh, t- Satan's temptation when he said, go jump off the temple and see if God will do what he said he will do when he said he'll, his hands will lift you up. And Jesus said, do not test the Lord your God. Now, what he was doing is quoting from Deuteronomy, uh, do not test the Lord your God as, as you tested him at Massah, and Massah is test in Hebrew. And what happened there is people said, we're thirsty. And you know God uh, had Moses hit the rock to to uh, to bring them water. But the problem was, they said, is God among us or not? So it wasn't that they were asking for something is they were making this a condition of them serving of them serving him hmm. okay and so we tend to do this we tend to say if god really is going to be god that i want to serve then he has to do this hmm. and it's my observation that a lot of uh, people that turn their backs on god walk away from their faith or maybe and especially atheists if you genuinely didn't think god existed you wouldn't care I mean, you would be totally indifferent So people that are actively saying, actively initiating that God doesn't exist, they're validating that He does, but they're actually saying, "I'm mad at God for not doing what doing what I wanted Him to do for, for me," and that that's the reaction to God should serve me, and it of course ends up in Hebel.
2: Yeah. Well, and you know the subtitle of your book, Tim, is "How to Live Life Above the Circumstances," and. That's really what this what this is about here, right? About uh, how do we love, worship God? How do we experience the fullness of life when times are good, when times are bad, when we understand, when we don't understand? It says here at the very end, God does this so that men will not discover anything that will be after him. So this is Hebel. You can't control the future. You can't predict. There's no perfect formula for do A, get B. It's sometimes you do a sometimes you do A and get A, sometimes you do A and get B. Yeah. The point is not how to figure out the transactional system mm-hmm. and perfect it, which is I think how a lot of us approach Christianity. The point is to love and trust god
1: and then, now we're back at where the first chapter is focused on it's the process, not the outcome that where the real value is, it's walking through the process. The outcome is we already we know from Romans 8:28 and 29 for God has predestined that we become conformed to his image that's the outcome okay it's us it's our character it's not the circumstances it's not a circumstantial outcome all circumstances we know and experience are all going to be burned up but we remain and the question is who have you become and that and that's what the focus is on here which is why wisdom is such a powerful protector.
2: The book of Proverbs, you're talking, my first thought when Kylie was reading this again was how it connects to Proverbs. And then you started out talking about how it connected to Job. So the wisdom literature is really <laughs> yeah. at work here. But the, that's why wisdom is such a good protector. It preserves those who possess it because circumstances don't wiggle it away. The book of Proverbs talks about wisdom as a path. It's a path. It's not a particular circumstance. So whatever happens, you can continue to walk on that path of wisdom And that is the power of wisdom and the power of the ability to trust in God, is that it helps us to live above our circumstances. It helps us. uh, It's a path that's available to us no
1: matter what is happening. And we might say, just for someone that that might not know, uh, there's five books in the wisdom literature, the way the Hebrew Bible organized it. Job, which is probably the first book that was penned, uh, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, and Proverbs. And you got really Job, which is, answers the question of why why does bad things happen and what is man and wh- where does man come from. And Psalms, which is really a, a book that connects us with God and is a perspective book. Ecclesiastes and Proverbs, which is the theory and the practice of wisdom. And then Song of Solomon, which is really a book about sexual intimacy, which is... Uh, uh, a, a metaphor for the intimacy between us and God that we really all ultimately are seeking, but also something that we God invites us to experience here in marriage with oneness. Verses 15 through
0: 18. I have seen everything during my lifetime of futility. There is a righteous man who perishes in his righteousness, and there is a wicked man who prolongs his life in his wickedness. Do not be excessively righteous, and do not be overly wise. Why should you ruin yourself? Do not be excessively wicked and do not be a fool. Why should you die before your time? It is good that you grasp one thing and also not let go of the other. For the one who fears God comes forth with both of them.
1: So this uh, this point here about do not be excessively righteous can be a, 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 a puzzler. Mm-hmm. It's how in the world can you be excessively righteous? So... There's, you, I would say, you you can't be excessively righteous in your character. You, you want to be as righteous as you possibly can, but then your character, when it when it when you uh, engage with others, there's a limitation, and the limitation is you don't get to make choices for other people, and so you always want to be an example of righteousness to people. But you can't impose righteousness on the world. And there's a time and a place to speak about what ought to be. So Jesus actually gives us an instruction about this in the Sermon on the Mount. And I call this the log, dog, hog principle. Uh, And he says this, if you see a speck in somebody else's eye, then that means you have a log in your eye. Now, why log? Well, if you can see somebody else's fault, it's for one reason. You have it. <laughs> and uh, it could be log because if you, that means probably yours is bigger. It could be log just because it's in your eye and, it look, and it's closer, so it looks bigger. But your mind tends to block things out that are, are unnecessary. Well, we have a son that has had um, retinal uh, detachments. And he has very limited vision in one eye. And so his brain has just turned that eye off because it it doesn't help him see things. So he has to actually put his hand over his good eye to see how much he can see out of his other eye. So you got a log in your eye. Your, your brain will just block that out. And so you tend to just look past it and see the other person's speck. But if you see that speck, you have to stop and say, okay, I have that fault. So now you self-examine. So you benefit from seeing other people's problems because you get to self-examine, and you fix that first. So that's that—that's the log part. Fix yourself first. You get to make that choice, right? I control that. I, I control my own choices. I get to address my own faults. Mm-hmm. So now the question is: I've got a brother that has that same fault. Now I've addressed mine, so I can come to this guy with as a fellow sufferer, and I can come in in, in, in empathy. But i got to ask myself the dog and hog question first. And the dog-hog question is this. Should I give something that's holy to a dog, something that's holy to a pig? And what, what he's saying there is, and he actually talks about it, if you give a real tasty scrap to a dog and you hand-feed that dog, the tastier it is, the more they're going to snap, <laughs> right? And you're liable to get bit. They're not going to say, oh, thank you, master, for giving me that toothy marble. Let me be very careful that I don't bite your hand. <laughs> they're just going to gobble for it. And, and similarly, if you take a beautiful pearl necklace and put it on a, the neck of a swine, they're not going to say, oh, I better not waddle in the mud and I'll get this necklace. They're just going to keep on being a pig, <laughs> right? right? So, so what he's saying is make an evaluation as to whether this person is in a position Or they're ready to hear something about their fault. If they're not ready, because when you offer correction to someone, when you offer wisdom to someone, when you offer rebuke to someone, it's holy. It has tremendous value. But if they're not going to appreciate the value and all you're going to do is get bit, or or all they're going to do is just keep wallowing in the mud, don't waste your time. So this would be, I think, an application of trying to be too righteous. You, you 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 dealt with yourself, which you should always do, but if you try to impose on the world around you, it doesn't work because we don't have that choice. That that's not our opportunity. So, be wise about how you engage with the world, when and how. Yeah, I think a, a, the ultimate point here is
2: about a sense of uh, of. Of balance and, and maybe even perspective. Uh, I can't be righteous, as you're saying, Tim, for everybody else. I can steward my own character. Um, but also, I can, uh, in the reality of the things that Solomon has talked about, I can get crippled in the process of wise discernment. You know, he's talking about, uh, we talked about the tobe sayings, like there are things that are beneficial this one's better than this. I can sit all day and contemplate about the, which, about sadness and laughter and the value of both of them. But some part of me at some point needs to take the risk of making a choice, of, of taking an action, of doing something. And I think part of the warning here is you're never going to be wise enough because of, of your humanity. You're never going to be wise enough to know perfectly what to do you're it's it's, it's the devil idea if you try to grab a hold of wisdom so much until you're hundred percent certain, then what you're saying is I'm not doing anything until I'm God, and so part of this you know it seems strange like you're saying to him to to say like, oh, okay, a little bit of wickedness is okay. I don't know if he's saying it's okay, he's just saying it's no. a reality yeah he's just saying your 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 flesh is there you've got you 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 don't have to listen to it, but you have to acknowledge that it is an ever present reality that's trying to knock on your doors. And so it's not about giving in to, thing, to both the flesh and the spirit equally. It's about no. acknowledging the reality that they
1: both exist. So 1 f- John is uh, something worth thinking about here. It's it's written to believers, and it's and it's telling us some things. And, and it says, you know, if you confess your sins, God is faithful and just to forgive our sins. And that, that has to do with fellowship. Uh, mm-hmm. And it's the same thing as in the... Uh, uh, Lord's Prayer, the, the center of the Lord's Prayer, it's, it's a chiasm, and the main point is forgive us as we have forgiven others, which is an interesting prayer, right? right? I want you, God, to treat me like I've treated other people. Well, be careful how you pray that going back to one of the earliest sessions, right? Have you treated people well? And and afterwards, after right after the Lord's Prayer, uh Jesus explains for if you do not forgive others neither will you follow in heaven and forgive you he explains why he put that in the middle of the lord's prayer so you're actually praying a perspective and you're praying a, an accountability on yourself mm-hmm. to treat others the way you want to be treated mm-hmm. okay so so we have this this reality of the need for forgiveness from our father and it depends in large part on on how we, how we treat others kind of like in James with li- listening to other humans, prepares us to listen to God. Same thing from James 1. Well, John, one. the previous verses say, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then his blood covers our sin. Okay, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then his blood covers our sin. So if we know about sin, we should ask for forgiveness, and he'll give it, confess it confess it, that means recognize the reality of it and then walk away from it. Little sin, you see a little sin, but not a lot because we recognized it. But at the same time, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, his blood covers our sin, which means if we're walking in the light, we've got sin we don't know about, and he takes care of that. So the, the overall picture is, uh, Tim, uh, I I'm going I expect you to deal with what you know about right. the, to deal with the sins you see. Um and when when they come to your mind, I expect you to confess those and start making changes. But there's a lot of stuff that you got messed up that just hadn't come to light yet. I'm going to just pass on that cuz I expect you to deal with what you know. And I think that's part of this reality of we we have some wickedness. But when we start deliberately being wicked, now we're into full scale corruption and life is gonna spiral out of control for us. Well maybe that's what Solomon is talking about when he says uh when he says
2: grasp the one but not let go of the other. He's talking about our sense of of awareness, of of name of accepting reality. Where we're trying to grasp wisdom, but we're not trying to like uh, deny or ignore the reality that there's some wickedness in me that I just don't, there's a, some blind spot. Kylie and I say this to our students a lot. I'm going to get to heaven and God's going to be like, hey, you were really wrong about this thing. Like, I know that's going to happen. <laughs> I just, for the life of me, am not sure what that thing yeah, is or what those be. things are. Yeah. And so I think this is about perspective here. We want to lean into and be as deliberate as we can about wisdom, but we also want to walk in the humility, which humility is seeing things as they are, we want to walk in the humility of understanding that there are things about us that are just imperfect, and that's 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 just the reality.
1: And when it comes to trying to impose righteousness around us, we don't have the capacity to do that, really, right? We don't we don't know. We're not God, and this this kind of goes into conflict. Like we we teach in the servant leadership conflict styles. There's a time to avoid, and we all need to learn to avoid. But if if you're a competitor like I am. I have to learn to avoid, there's a time and a place. Uh, If I see that speck in the eye and that person's not ready to hear, I'm not helping anybody by engaging at that point. But on the other hand, if my bent is to avoid and I see a speck in someone else's eye and then I've dealt with it myself and I could help this person and they are willing, there is an openness and I don't do it because I'm an avoider, I've missed an opportunity. I've not been a good steward. So we all need to learn how to use these different conflict approaches at the appropriate time and at the appropriate place. And even then, we're just going to be able to make an invitation. Well, you know, it strikes me that as we pursue wisdom, one of the pitfalls
2: is that you start to see in, increasing oppressions and injustices, things that are wrong with the world. And so the the, the more wise you become, Solomon mentioned in, in chapter one, the more the more grief, uh, the, more the, the more frustration. More and, frustration, and a lot of that is because you start to perceive a lot of things that are wrong with mm-hmm. uh, the with people that are. And so, if we're what's, not careful, what's wrong with
1: that person? Can't
2: you? if we're not careful, that wisdom unchecked can start. We can start to just fully project it mm-hmm. outside and forget that we need to constantly be doing the self talk thing and uh, and addressing our own.
1: Mistakes, our own wickedness, and now we've become haughty, which is what Solomon told us not to do.
2: Right. So as we, like, our wisdom, we we talk about people who are like holier than thou. At least Mm -hmm. that that was the expression when I was when I was growing up. That like the idea that like, oh, you've got it all figured out, and and I think that can be a dangerous temptation when when wisdom starts to be granted to people. So I think that's what this is talking about. Keep us a little bit grounded. Remember that you don't have it all figured out. Yeah.